0: Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Haiku podcast. Um, Today's episode is a little bit different as it's my first interview podcast. Today's interview is with Romulo, a friend of mine who is a OSNIT analyst and a political scientist from Caracas, Venezuela. Uh, I thought it'd be fun to interview him today on my podcast so I could learn a little bit more about Venezuelan history as well as his contemporary political situation. So without further ado, here is my interview with Romulo. Yeah, man, Wait, I think it's going to record in a sec. I don't really use Skype, actually. I'm not really familiar with Skype, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did you get a notification? I think it's recording now, man. I think so. Yeah. Uh, it's okay, it's, okay, it's cool. telling me that
1: you're recording
0: the, the call. Okay, man. So just again, Romulo, um, yeah, give me a, sort of the breakdown of what you do, your work. You're saying you do uh, with your communication, disinformation campaigns and stuff. So what, what's that work like and what, what are you doing?
2: Yeah. Uh, well
1: I'm I can Well I come from the political scientific uh, the political science field. I graduated in in the Universidad Central de Venezuela, that's the main university of Venezuela, and I major in political sciences. So living in a country like Venezuela, you well myself I was very keen to know more from the propaganda and the psychological operations there and i grow in that environment so my main interest here to study disinformation oper- operational psychological operations and and, and social media mm-hmm. is very is very focused on open source intelligence so my main my main uh, like job or my main my main Work is really into knowing the origins of the com- propaganda being spread on every platform. So I okay. usually take my time on reading the content, making Google image or image reverse search, and then. Crawling the web so I can find the origins of that website and to make those dots to connect to say or to have more evidence to say, well, this kind of propaganda leads towards to a very specific um, like demographics. So it must be generated by the, the Russians or the Iranians or the Venezuelan states and those things.
0: Yeah. How prevalent is sort of a disinformation in South America at the moment? Would you say as a continent, or maybe Uruguay, Venezuela, which yeah. like whichever you want to talk about? How prevalent is it in South America? Yeah,
1: in South America, it's. Um, I don't think in South America they have exploited that so much. It it's kind of a, uh, well, it's very 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 campaign like. The, t- the timing of the disinformation campaigns is very campaign-related. So if a country is happening to be in a year where the presidential campaign, we are in South America, are very presidentials. Like mm-hmm. the the I, I don't remember. the Congress is not that important as some other di- democracies in the world. Mm-hmm. So. As the the quarters of powers of power are very are very narrow, mm-hmm. they focus very. They their their campaigns are a lot focused on on the campaign or presidential campaign presidential campaigns or where are crisis and public public opinion crisis, they spread a lot of disinformation. I think personally that not South America but in Mexico, that's Central America, they are the ones that always have the best trolls and and things like that nevertheless venezuela and ecuador has have their own troll farms and there are a lot of works and investigators working on that so you may have heard uh the ira the internet research agency from the russians well venezuela and ecuador has their own and mexico has their own in Venezuela, it works like it's more like a political or social political control mm-hmm. system. So you, if you tweet, if you, every time you tweet, you have to report to the to the I don't know how to to translate this, but the the president of the UBC, the UBC the UBCH the UBCH is like a political administration from the Ruler got from the ruling party mm-hmm. that uh, controls very locally. So if you are a part of the of the of the streets that they rule, you if you tweet, you may earn like I don't know one dollar or half a dollar for every oh, okay. tweet or for every quote of tweet. So it's very a uh, social political control system that if you are the ruling party, the Partido Socialista Unido de Venezuela. Mm-hmm. It's very profitable because you you are working with very cheap labor and have the strength of propaganda in social media.
0: That's okay, the system
1: so, in Venezuela. In
0: Venezuela, yes. Okay, in Venezuela, yeah. And so they're employing sort of the... So, so what are the kind of motivations for the people to sort of disseminate this disinformation for the ruling parties? You mentioned profit, but would there be any sort of other uh, beneficial gain for them?
1: Yeah, of course if you if you monitor the the topic the trending topics on on venezuela and you may see that are a lot of like inorganic trends mm-hmm. that you may see periodically like uh i v s s the i v s s is the social security the 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 institution of the secure the social security, and you may see it like once or twice a month in trending topics, and you ask, well, that why this should be trending topics? And mm. uh, that's again because in Venezuela the TV and the traditional media is very is very narrow. It's mm-hmm it's kind of a home of the
2: state
1: it's virtually uh the it's part of the government there are okay. no incident voices or there are a few distant voices so they know that the new generation or they they have a they, they are very aware of the power of the social media so they want to control at least the narrative being said or being worked down in in the in the cyber spectrum so they gain a lot of, 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 they gain a lot, a lot there because they not only aim to the local, the local propaganda like in Venezuela. They, they work towards the spread of, of, of this is disinformation in people like us that we don't live in Venezuela. We're five million mm-hmm. Venezuelans out there. So every news, if you are very, like, into the country, I'm not that into the country. But you may you may give you may receive this information every once and then
0: okay, just a way to kind of keep the um. Well, okay, yes, just, yeah. go, let's just go, wind it back a bit. So, like you obviously grew up in Venezuela. Um, <clears throat> so how, how how long did you live in Venezuela, and um, what sort of the sort of current? Or what was it like growing up? Actually, what was it like growing up in Venezuela, like on the ground as a kid, and uh, your sort of stories from there. mm
1: Hmm. Yeah, well my personal experience is I have I, I don't know if the I, I it's very <laughs> it's very like I don't wanna say that my personal experience is everyone's experience, but I come from a medium class, working class family. So mm-hmm. living in Caracas. Caracas is like the jewel of the crown of Venezuela. Okay. Nothing I mean if the country went on a blackout, Caracas is still online,
0: you know? Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it's like sort of the yeah, central of everything. It's the capital. Yeah.
1: It's the, it's the, the political capital of the, of the country. But yeah, yeah. growing as a kid in Venezuela, it has a lot of perks. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a child of the revolution. I, uh, Chavez was elected in 98 and I was born in 90. So okay. I was seven or eight. I was eight years old when he won. When he won the first elections, and yep. I remember that my family was Chavista. Everyone in my in my like in my circle, yeah, circle, my near circle, were uh, were Chavista. So they have they they had a, a the, the real the real causes of this was that the political parties, the the traditional political parties were very on the they were they were going down of the on, on the, the public opinion. Yeah. So yeah, growing up as a kid in the political spec and the political view, I I lived in a very unstable country. Mm. And you you may see like it, it in that generates uh, like a contradiction in your life because there were a lot of money because of the politic the the oil prices went up yep. in like in the two thousand and six and two thousand and eight. I can't remember like it was yesterday, the Christmas of two thousand and six that everybody was buying gifts, very expensive mm. stuff, cars, TVs, wow. yeah, and whatnot. so.
0: It was but quite prosperous the the first
1: part, time. Yeah, but the other part was that the country was very at least my city was very was very dangerous. And yeah. that's a that's a that's a curious conversation to have because the I have a theory, I have an hypothesis. I don't want to sound like Alex Jones or a teen hat foil <laughs> guy, but I'm eighty percent sure that the, the crime rates in Venezuela went up as a as a social control strategy from from Hugo Chavez after the the first coup d'état that went on him in two
0: thousand and two. Okay, so what? Why? Yeah. Um, what makes you believe that? Yeah. So.
1: Okay. Yeah. Ah, yeah. My my hypothesis wa- uh, goes this way. He he was a very like he he wasn't very liked on the first government, after yeah. before the the coup d'etat in 2002, the, uh, April 11th, 2002. Uh, uh, he, he had a little bit of, he, he, he kind of polarized the society. He, wa- he was like 50 or 55, I can't remember the numbers, but after the coup d'etat, he radicalized himself. Mm. And I think that Fidel Castro uh, advised him that you should uh, radicalize the revolution. So he went on turning the knobs more and more, mm. and what happened? He used a tactic that is is, is, is I related a lot with Mao town guerrilla warfare. Yeah. He 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 banned the guns on civil on civil societies in in civil population. You could you uh, at the at this day, you can't buy a gun. Legally,
0: it's impossible. Okay. it's impossible. So he wanted to sort of disarm the populace, yeah, and, and sort of, and then also at the same time make it uh, unstable. So it's kind of a a scary sort of concoction to have, like a very unstable population, then also no gun rights and stuff like this.
1: Of course, yeah, that's one of okay. the part of the, that's that's that cost And he then went on creating and giving money to these. Bolivarian circles in right. Venezuela. They call it círculos bolivarianos. The Bolivarian circles were little branches of armed uh, paramilitary. I, it's paramilitary.
0: Paramilitary, yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, paramilitary force that were
0: thugs. Really,
1: they went. Mm-hmm. They they all were from the more populous zones of Venezuela, and the more and. Ironically, where well, not that ironically, where the chavismo in Caracas bo- was born. It was in Katia, the most populous zone in Caracas. So mm-hmm. these people, he he gave money, he gave power, every everything that if if he were wa- if he saw uh, the government, mm-hmm. look on a protest, and it was a very shady protest, he. Mm-hmm. He sent the Bolivarian circles to make some fear, to spread some fear on the populations or make some invasions on empty housing. and you couldn't make anything because it was not an institutional it was not an institutional thing, but they were there.
0: So was, what happened? So that was the act of the para- paramilitaries. You're saying the paramilitaries were the ones sort of causing chaos around the different neighborhoods of Caracas, and the
1: the the chaos was the the. I mean the the chaos was the, I, because if you if you don't like if you if you centralize the guns to 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 people that has. Some that kind of power, mm-hmm. and they're not in an institution. Mm-hmm. They tend to deviate they those those power quotas to mm-hmm. gain access to drugs, to maintain control power. It's like a mafia, you know. So like a
0: legitimized think, mafia.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course, and the, and and this brings to to crime rates. So they, I'm sure they they sold weapons to thugs and. Eventually, eventually, the my city uh, went like a, I don't know how to say like a quarter where, where the the headquarters, a military headquarters. When the night comes, you have to stay in your house because it's very dangerous. Uh, you you and if you grew up in Caracas at my age, you were uh, listening a lot of uh, kidnapping. Express kidnaps uh, a lot of murders by if you if you didn't gave the cell phone or the the dollars or the cash you were killed so it was a very violent city and wow. I think that was a, a very strategic uh, form to control to not to to mitigate uh, protests because because every everything was going down and yeah. it, I must say that the The Venezuelans are very frivolous people. It's not, I mean, I don't want to to sound like, well, you know that to speak bad of of Venezuela, I'm Venezuelan too, Mm. but the system made you love more the money over institutions or over stability, so Mm. you were very cheap to buy, your conscience was very cheap to buy, everything was subsidized, the telephone, internet, electricity, gas domestic gas mm-hmm. oil oil to the cars the guys mm-hmm. so it was very cheap to to maintain the population shut down or
2: mm-hmm.
1: this kind and of stuff happened. and chavez and chavez earned a lot of votes using that, yeah, that yeah, yeah not to mention the the trips the international trips were subsidized too that's that's an interesting part. and every and not everyone knows about this
0: Yeah, so uh, tell us more about that. Then tell us more about that. And uh, actually, yeah, yeah, tell us more about that first, and then maybe after we'll talk about Chavez a bit more. But yeah, tell us about the subsidized trips and sort of that advantage. Yeah, the
1: subsidized trips is a very polarizing theme because (laughs) after he he went on exchange control in two thousand and three, and he and because you have a lot of money because you are like the first oil exporter of the con- of the region. I mean mm-hmm. Venezuela is known as the oil of the oil paradise, no? Yeah, yeah. So of course, and beautiful women. Oil and beautiful <laughs> women. <laughs> huh. and, um, well he began to subsidize trips. So uh. you made a exchange control first uh-huh. and so what is exchange
0: control? Just sort of uh, explain that sort of briefly, the exchange control.
1: Yeah, the exchange control means that you can't buy freely uh, mm. any, any other foreign country. You cannot go to an exchange house and, well, I have 100 bolivares and give me $100. You cannot mm-hmm. change it. You cannot do that.
0: Okay. So, so you have to keep So way to sort of control the currency within the, within the country.
1: That's Right. The foreign currency yeah. it was controlled mm-hmm. by the state. So, okay. so of, of course, the, the exchange currency traders were bankrupt, mm-hmm. but what happens when you control things? Black market surges, okay? Mm. So hap- uh, a lot of things happened. First he maintained the exchange the currency control, the exchange mm-hmm. currency control, and he the the main reason to do that the at least the political reason to do that or the the public reason to do that how it was marketed it was because of to avoid um, to avoid that the currency go, went out of the country because yeah. that to in keep that it phase in the
2: country.
1: Of, keep it in the country because that in that phase of the revolution there were a lot of capitalist people and business and big Companies that Mm -hmm. opposed the government with Mm -hmm. valid reasons, of course. Yeah, yeah. It was a socialist government, and he was afraid to, to well, let's keep those 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 guys here because they can destabilize my country. Okay, so he he established that, and the most important uh, thing that was invented invented by that that government was the subsidized trip. In my in my opinion, because you could. You could get the dollars to trip like Mm $5,000 on a credit, Mm -hmm. but it cost you like in the beginning it cost you like a fourth of the real value of the dollar, Mm -hmm. okay? Okay. So, So if you wanted to trip to Disneyland, we Venezuelans love America. We love America, so... Yeah. If you wanted to go on a trip to Disneyland with your family, it cost you, let's say, $1,000. Mm-hmm. $1,000 was, let's say, 100 bolivars in the black market. That's the real market, the black market, yeah. 100 bolivars. Yep. But you buy this $1,000 to the state at 25 bolivars at the quarter, something uh-huh. like that.
0: Uh, okay. So that it, was was very cheap.
1: it was very cheap to, to, to travel and it was in a credit. So mm. a lot of people, very poor people, middle class people, high class people travel a lot in those age, in those in those years. From oh, 2003 yeah. to 2012 or oh. 13, I traveled. I used that that the, I used I use it once. You you could have this like this permission once a oh. year.
0: Oh, once a year, so you're allowed to go out only once a year. On these subsidized trips
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah
1: eventually eventually with the fall of the all prices they, mm-hmm. they cut it down so my last trip was to new york in 2015 and, and that was like the last year of kadibi that was the end the government agency that controlled the the currency mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, that was last year but they, they didn't give you the original amount they gave mm-hmm. you like the half but it was very cheap although it was very cheap so this costs a lot of people to travel and you may speak with any venezuelan and he they will tell you like well i went to europe in 2008 and i went to a euro trip and i went to united states of america and that that's not common to hear wow.
2: especially in south america especially in south america yeah. it's a
1: very costly thing to do uh-huh. so yeah of course we were on the, on a, I don't know, we were drunk of, of money,
0: really. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So quite a, quite affluent sort of country in the origins and stuff. And sort of bring it back to sort of Chavez. So like Chavez is, what was Chavez's rise like? What was his appeal to the sort of population and stuff when he was first getting elected? And mm-hmm. uh, how did that, like, it, what happened later on? What was the sort of promises he maybe made or didn't keep or? the corruptions and stuff, what sort of happened to him later on in his uh, career? Any sort of the things. So just sort of from the beginning, you said he was born sort of on kind of pre-Chavez days. So mm-hmm. you kind of got to see that Venezuela changed quite a lot over the last decades and stuff. So yeah, what was the appeal with Chavez first? What was the big appeal?
1: Um, man, the, 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 the big appeal of Chavez originally was that he was an outsider. Mm. You must you must know a little bit of history to know the Chavez origins. It's okay. it's very it's very it's very I mean it's very easy to to get this the the origins of Chavez. Chavez was born the the political figure of Chavez was born in eighty three I think with mm-hmm. the movimiento with the MBR two thousand uh, two hundred mm-hmm. and. These were some some guys of the armed forces that made an oath to an oath an oath uh, yeah. like an oath I don't know how a to oath. say
0: it oath. yeah oath yeah, yeah 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 they made an oath
1: to to overthrow the the um, to change the the status quo because after the last dictatorship on our country in '58 the yeah. Marcos Perez Jimenez went down and 40 years of democracy was established. A very stable democracy. Mm. But with two ruling parties. So what happened? The, these two ruling parties were going well in the first 20 years. After mm. those 20 years, they went down. And it were, in 1983 came the, the Black Friday. It's called the Black Friday. What happened on
0: Black Friday, yeah.
1: So. Yeah, in, in our Black Friday, the, our currency went went horseshit. I mean, we went like the the dollar cost like four thirty, and eventually that Friday, it doubled the prices. So wow. that went on a spiral. And mm. if you if you see the statistics, this is very important to to analyze because I grow I grew up and was raised in a country with Every year two digit inflation. Every year. Every so single year. Every single year, two digit inflation. That's that's oh. really crazy. Yeah, yeah, so well, everyone's was we're getting poorer and poorer and poorer. Institutions were going down, credibility in institutions, corruptions went up, crime rates went up. So these guys in 85 or 83 made this oath in the armed forces. And I think I, I, I can, I, w- I want to say this, but I, I don't have evidence to say. I think this was a, a, a communist infiltration there, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure
0: about this. What, what makes you think it was a communist, communist infiltration at this point? Yeah,
1: uh, because communist communists, communists um, from from the URSS were always like, Infiltrating institutions, especially my university and armed forces, they work like that. They, yeah, you, yeah. they it's called Maskerovka in, in in Russian. It's like the the deceptions or the they, they infiltrated institutions as as they always do. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like an anti-communist because the the liberal liberal the democracies make the, these things too. I mean, it's yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. political strategy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you
0: are aware That's... of that. Yeah, right. yeah, but it's taking a nuanced view of it. Yeah, it's fine. I think uh, there's many. Yeah, I know. It's so you're saying the communist sort of um, ideologues, like people like promoting certain ideologies, were getting into sort of like institutes of education. Like, were they having a sway on the masses? Were they in media? What sort of what was their scope?
2: Yeah. Uh, the
1: my university in the the Universidad Central de Venezuela and some institutions were very keen to promote these leftist things mm-hmm. and one of the the main reasons they did this is because in the Pacto de Punto Fijo, Pacto de Punto Fijo is the Punto Fijo Pact, Punto Fijo is the house where it was written this pact is the name so the Pacto de Punto Fijo um pact Mm. and stated that when democracy uh, was regained in 58 they relegated the communist party Mm. but this is a kind of a tricky part of our history because some some people say that they didn't show up some people say that they didn't invite them so it's kind of irrelevant right now Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's but the sorry. Communist Party was very was very persecuted on the, on some years of, of the democracy mm-hmm. and then I think it's President Caldera it's, it was a social Christian president mm-hmm. like uh, like involved them in the politics and okay. everything. Went, the, the pressure went down okay so to get going back to the to the military and chavez in '85, they make this oath, and these these people, man, these people is very. That's kind. That's one of the things I admire from from the Chavistas. They were very disciplined. I mean, okay. they were very, They, I mean, no one noticed that this was happening in the armed forces. Okay. So, in '92, Chavez and some some military went to a coup d'état. A failed coup d'état. Mm. There, there is a very popular video in YouTube, and you may find them. Uh, where Chavez? Well, that wasn't Chavez. It was a tank mm-hmm. going to the presidential house in in '92, like striking the presidential house, not the 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 main one of the main buildings of the presidential. Wow. Uh, buildings and so it was a full on coup d'état. Yeah. So what happened there? Carlos Andrés Pérez Dos was in the presidency. Carlos Andrés Pérez was once in the presidency 20, uh, 15 years before this, and he was a very demagogue one, but he had a lot of money. He had a lot of money because he won when he was in the presidency in the in the 70s, late 70s. The war on on Israel and you. Uh, arabia the um, Saudi Arabia War, where prices go up and and this war, I, I think it's the seven-day war, I, don't, I can't remember, oil prices went up, so Venezuela was very rich. That was the year, those years we received a lot of immigration and whatnot. So in the second presidency, in 92, Carlos Andres what, uh, uh, called a lot of techno-political, uh, ministries. Okay. He he was very. I mean, he his his ideas were very were very good, my friend. I mean, to see a, a a a country where everything was oil, oil, oil. Everything was subsidized, and he went in this presidency after being so popular, and he went and said, "Well, you have to." catch your belt, because not everything must be subsidized. We have to make some private investment here. Mm. We have to short uh, the payments to the public. I don't know, I can't remember the name, to the uh, public, public spenders, expenses. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, have public to spenders, yeah. So, of course, uh, prices went up, gas went up, and a lot of farm oil was in that age. and discussed the the coup d'etat of Chavez to make to, to be possible, but it was a failed okay. one. So failed, they captured Chavez. They captured Chavez and the the mistake <laughs> this is a very this is a very important thing because it, it may sound like a, a joke but it's not. The mistake that Carlos Andrés went when the, he captured Chavez uh-huh. is that he was so democratic that he gave Chavez the opportunity to be in public TV after the capture.
0: Oh, wow. So he's like very, sort of a Democrat to a fault, basically, in terms of like... Of course, he, yeah. Yeah, it came to his demise. That's, and that's, so that's, you're saying, so was uh, it Carlos Alexander again? Um, what some Carlos, ideas, some big ideas he had that you think would um, sort of beneficial to Venezuela at that time?
1: Hmm. Yeah, he was surrounded by these... Chicago boys, economic neoliberal the, guys.
0: The Milton Friedman sort of people and stuff. Yeah, yeah.
1: very liberal economic guys. And one of them is Hausman. He is one of the, I think he's, he's right now president of the economics school in Harvard, right mm. now. He's a Venezuelan guy. Yeah. And yeah, they, they had these ideas of very liberal policies and mm-hmm. i think the Acción democratica the party of the of carlos andres were not ready for this i mean yeah you, you basically was saying telling to them that no more money for you guys you have to work No mm. more free money so what happened when he carlos andres show chavez faces in tv mm. he made a public
0: hero he, oh, he, a martyr, like a kind of a martyr figure.
1: Yeah, he he.
0: Political Chavez, prisoner.
1: mm mm-hmm, Like not not like a political prisoner, but more like a the face of the savior.
0: Okay, yeah, okay. Sorry, like a saint, sort of like a political saint, maybe instead.
1: Of course, but yeah, because yeah, yeah. Chavez Chavez said that uh, uh, he he went. He said something like. Um uh, our goals were not achieved by now.
0: Uh, by okay, now. Yeah, okay. so he, he's quite a good orator, right? He's a very good speaker, Chavez. He was very good at um capturing a crowd's attention and really riling up the sort of people and stuff, right?
1: That's one of the of the main perks of Chavez. He was a crazy guy, but he, he his his or his speaking skills are amazing, were amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah. So
0: and what yeah. were the sort of promises and pledges he sort of made in his initial yeah. run for uh, presidency or or how did he yeah. even get to the role of presidency what happened between there so after his sort of um, arrest release and then his sort of public speaking from there to his um, sort of uh, to become leader of Venezuela what was the what was the change like there and what was the political yeah. climate like The
2: the political
1: promises of Chavez were weren't very high stake I mean the first, i i can't remember as it what yesterday the the main slogan of chavez in ninety eight was that the rotten the running the rotten i don't know how to say cupolas let me let me search ivan know,
0: his main sort of ideas or um, pledges uh, domes the rotten
1: domes the rotten domes okay so the yeah, rotten yeah. domes were these corrupted very corrupted guys in the private sector and public sector and he went all the way with the corrupt the road and dumps around dumps, dumps. so with this in hand he went like we have to change the constitution because this 1961 constitution is a it's a dying constitution it's not uh, it's not uh, focused to our people, to the people, to the poor. It's always focused to the Rotten domes and the capitalists. And but it wasn't a very socialist, Marxist-like uh, narrative. It was quite. Uh, what, how would you, do, it how was, would you describe it, it? It was very. It's a. It was a very social democratic-like uh, narrative. If you if quite. you if if you hear it right now, it's a kind of a social democratic, but with some strange smell with mm, i don't think that's very very social democratic so he went with this and well he he won on on the on the constitution changes and he as the uh, on this referendum and he won so he made a lot of promises like to To diversify our economy, to make the, the food industry went up, gave the agricultural agricultural workers some credits to make productions and whatnot, but <laughs> that didn't happen. I, I mean, uh, he didn't he didn't invest in in main uh, roads. It was a, but I think it, it it was because a lot of corrupt corruption. Mm. It was a very very corrupted country, and I think that was in 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 one part because that 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 was very attractive to maintain some quarters of power because he wasn't very liked. He has to buy everyone. He has mm. to buy everyone
0: he wasn't liked um, do you mean he wasn't liked in the political establishment or sort of the public and stuff? in the
1: in the political establishment, of course, not because they were very angry with Chavez uh-huh. because they knew their origins, and some private the private sector was very, very aware of his intentions. And I can't remember that that was very crazy. That was very crazy times, my dude. Because if you see the propaganda that opposition went on the private media, now you can tell why he shut down the the private media. I am not I'm not a, I'm not, um, not condemning himself. I mean that wasn't that wasn't right, but it was very aggressive propaganda. Very aggressive propaganda, like we have to overthrow the government. We have to make to the streets and overthrow the government. Okay, you can wow. you can't make that.
2: And
0: so what that was that was the private that was the private um sort of media calling calling for the overthrow of the Chavez uh, sort of mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Chavez government. Wow. Yeah. So they were sort of a uh, yeah. So was, do you think it was kind of like a, a lot of vested private interests had um, a lot of interest in overthrowing Chavez because of his sort of um, complete control of the economy or, or at least his want for the complete control of the economy.
1: Yes. Yeah. I think that was the main reason because I don't see any other reason. And he was very well. He was a very undemocratic guy. He mm-hmm. he once made he once said that uh, Acción Democrática, this this ruling party. I told mm-hmm. you he went to make he said I I want I will make you v, uh cosmic dust. I will turn wow. you to cosmic dust. Yeah. So. Of course, if you if you were ADECO from ADECO is the the name from the persons of Acción Democrática, you were kind of banned within the the the, the, the political spectrum. I mean, you, you they, they you didn't have a chance. You were always pushed back. Mm. A lot of a lot of a lot of uh, conversation and things were done within the government, but. Money was very important to make those uh, strategically political movements mm. moves of chavez. And yeah the private sector was very important in the first um, like in the first stages of chavismo because those were the 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 main financials uh, of the coup d'etat in 2002. And a very important thing to say here is that the coup d'etat were mainly led, like mainly guided by the private or the union workers of the Mm -hmm. private sector, Mm -hmm. and no political party was involved.
0: It was all from sort of private business interests instead of like political parties
1: yeah and the and two main branches this one that you just mentioned and mm-hmm. the ex ex workers of pensa pensa is the main company of oil
2: okay
0: yeah, yeah.
1: okay so yeah, so yeah and and what happened well i I just made you i just told you the history what happens then in two thousand and three this this is a this is like the the next season of Chavismo. It's seasons (laughs) like three. In the next year after the failed coup d'etat that was a fucking disaster in Uh political strategy, war strategy, public opinion, narrative, that was a disaster. No one, everyone hated that kind of stuff because it was that bad uh, executed that even the, the Americans, it retreated the, the the support I mean yeah of course Americans were involved of course they were
0: yeah, yeah I was gonna say I was gonna, I was gonna talk about American interventionism a, a bit mm-hmm. later on but um, mm-hmm. we, I mean you can talk about it now like what sort of role was America playing in the background obviously when you sort of talk about his p- private business interests I think a lot of people will automatically assume you mean like uh, America's gonna have some involvement with this yeah um, of course <laughs> a, a huge oil rich company with a socialist leader um, who wants to nationalise oil and stuff? That goes against all of America's interests and stuff. So, to what extent do you think they were involved in some of these um, uh, periods of instability in the, you know, beginning sort of beginning terms of Chavez's presidency?
1: Well, I mean, to see, we have to make this with a grain of salt. We have to take this with a grain of salt because, of course, you you are very we're very accustomed to hear that that narrative of the 70s of the 80s that every rich country with all is going to be invaded by united states but i don't think that was the main reason because mm-hmm. penevera was already nationalized mm-hmm. in the 70s, in the oh, it's 70s.
0: Been, oh, so it was decades long before chavez Yeah of came course yeah yeah. yeah yeah yeah
1: of course i think the the main reason was that Americans may be aware of the um, of the strategic position of Venezuela in the geopolitical and geographical aspect of it mm-hmm. because Venezuela was a branch of Cuba. Is yeah. a branch of Cuba. It's, re- it's, it's,
0: it's still now
1: literally, is literally a branch of Cuba. We are like their bitches. I hate that, but that's (laughs) the reality. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, United States were very aware of this, and they were very insecure about the interests of Chavez. But if you see the statistics, we were we were selling United States oil during every Chavez administration, during Maduro. I mean. It was not in, in oil uh, in interest. I I think it was not uh, an oil based interest. It was like a political lobby that was made in Venezuela. That's very that's very usual in Venezuela. I could I could tell you more of this, but later. But yeah. I think that it, the lobby was made in Venezuela by some private investments and military and and, and people from PDVSA made the lobby made a pitch in washington and i think they they said well we have to uh we have to take your your doctrine of the like the monroe doctrine Mm -hmm. i think it's called to maintain democracy in the region yep so help us here but it was a disaster man yeah they they
0: executed poly
1: yeah, yeah, and it was very bad executed. They didn't. I mean, they in, they captured Chavez. They, they took took him to a to an island, but the president, the 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 temporary president that was wow. established, yep. killed the constitution. He he publicly. Said that this constitution is not valid anymore. Without elections, without calling the parties, without oh, calling the wow. civil civil associations, that was wow. a mistake. Yeah, it was a mistake. Yeah, it was a very of course. And the, the the armed forces turned the turned back and regained Chavez to power, and he. <laughs> Returned as a messiah, literally
0: as a messiah. Yeah, I was gonna, it kind of props uh, Chavez then at more as the pro-democratic sort of rival in a way. If some um, interim president comes in after a failed coup, failed execution, already a bad public image, and then comes in <laughs> and says, you know, fuck this constitution, we're done, uh, without the <laughs> without even consulting the people, then yeah, Chavez would come back as yeah as a hero, a messiah. He's kind of like the one that would seem to be bringing back stability, maybe bringing back. Um, Sort of order to sort of a chaotic sort of few weeks <clears throat> or months.
1: You mentioned the right keyword. It was very chaotic, and this this has to this is a very important part because when he went he went returned the, and I mean when he returned he was very backed up by the actions of the oppositions. He now have this 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 history of to to say that. You know what this guy can do, right? Mm. Opposition is very bad. Opposition is very undemocratic. They want to overthrow me. They want to kill me. They are the bad ones. And then when the I, I can't remember. I think I'm I'm confusing the the stages of the of the revolution. But in uh, he uh, Chavez was a victim of the oil or petroleum stop. Like I don't know, paro, petrolero. It's like the mm-hmm. the the, the Perevesa workers, the, the this this oil, the Peruvian workers was like an elite that controlled virtually the economic of the country. Ninety five percent of our dollars became came from the oil. So if you have mm-hmm. the ruling this ruling company, you can rule the the country. So yeah, they went course, they. they they made a, a stop. I don't know how to say. It. They, 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 like uh, they stopped working like two months in a political strike. Strike, yeah, that's the word. Yeah. They went. They they made a strike. Uh, they made a strike for two months, and Chavez resisted. And they then he he kicked them out in public TV. Uh, <laughs> it's wow. a very it's a very comical thing to watch because he 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 he, he took this whistle. And uh-huh. in public TV, he was like, Bruh! "Well, oh, no. Mister Romulo, you're out of here. So you're he out. out. Strike, kind
0: of- strike.
1: There is strike. Yeah. You're
0: out. Yeah. Wow. And that you can probably find that on YouTube, right? Well, sort of clip of him yeah. kicking them out. I, yeah, I,
1: I, if I found it, I can I can send it
0: to you. Yeah, man, that'd be quite funny. That um, so it's sort of a video of him kicking out all the oil execs and sort of the big, uh, right. big car leaders of that sort of time period when they would have had a lot of power and probably a lot of backing as well from America as well, to sort of keep their um, I don't know, yeah, so yeah, sort of returning about that, so sort of actually bringing ends of Chavez's reign, because obviously Chavez is very um, lauded on sort of left-wing thinkers, people like Noam Chomsky, for example, very sort of him um, yeah. on a very high pedestal, and what do you think of that, like, what do you think as a Venezuelan who grew up um, under Chavez and subsequently other leaders as well, um, what do you think of that sort of um, yeah that pedestal that people put Chavez on on the left, particularly Western leftists and stuff?
1: Hmm. I don't blame them. I mean, I don't blame Noam Chosky, Really, it's yeah. it's just propaganda. They are aware of the atrocities of the Chavismo. They are very aware. It's like the people that have this Milton Friedman in a pedestal or the radical anarcho capitalist leaders yeah. that yeah I mean it's the, it's the same thing but yeah. it's a very it's a very uncomfortable thing because they are public opinion leaders so they 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 really have the power to change minds and change opinion and give support to to people so uh, what may I have to say to this those the Chomsky readers? Not not so much to Chomsky because he's just a propaganda guy. Um he's a, he I, I must say he, he's a very smart guy. But he's very yeah. biased.
0: Yeah, of course, yeah, he's uh his bias is definitely towards the left. Um I mean even yeah, some but- recent comments about Ukraine and stuff, he's definitely took more of a stance on uh maybe Ukraine should concede their Eastern Front to sort of appease Russia rather than see the bigger picture of like Russia's illegal invasion. Do you know what I mean? I think he's very, I think he thinks Western imperialism is the be all and end all of evils, but obviously there's many evils in the world. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of, uh, he takes that view. But anyway, yeah, so you sort of, they're public opinion leaders and stuff. um, And do you think, sort of returning back to your point of Cuba, actually, so what was Chavez's links with Cuba? What sort of happened there with Cuba and sort of their involvement in your, in your politics then and now?
1: well uh, the main the main uh, i don't know the main indicator to know that we are the a branch of Cuba mm-hmm. is that we are currently sending free oil to them mm. i don't know in in what extent right now because our industry was very was very striking the last six years but we were sending oil every now every every month we send free oil to cuba free oil to cuba i don't know how many barrels i don't know how many like I, I, in the internet there, there there are facts right there i i, I think it was like two thousand and two hundred thousand and five hundred thousand a month i don't know mm. but uh, that was the relationship with cuba that that makes you that that gives you a hint of how was our relation to cuba and yeah. the most important think is the intermission of the cuban intelligence within in our intelligence so mm-hmm. cuba has this intern intelligence corps called the g2 the head of cubano mm-hmm. the head of cubano is within our counterintelligence and intelligence corps within of course our armed forces mm-hmm. and they were into the Onidex, the, the previous, it's called now the SIME. It is, the, this institution is the one that rules over our identity papers, okay? Mm. I, I don't know how to say it. Yeah, our identity papers are, SIME is the identification and migration.
0: Uh-huh, and, so all your sort of activities in the country and all these sort of stuff.
1: Uh-huh, that's right. And they, they, they this institution controls who to give a uh, cédula the are our our unique our id and passports so that's very important to know because if you control yeah. this these two things you basically mm-hmm. control population yeah and Keep and our, of course yeah, yeah you have a, a very large database mm-hmm. of people and the third the third symptom of our branch or relationship with Cuba is the, the, the communa, the, the, what's a, comuna proyecto comunal, the, the communa comunal our commune, pro, communist project. I don't know how to mm-hmm. say because the organization of the political, the political organization of the, the, this, our ruling party uh-huh. is, Aiming towards the same model of Cuba. It's a very, okay. it's a very centralized, sort of. centralized and militarized, and with little branches of controlling streets and mm-hmm. and and snitches and mm. and those kind, like, kind
0: of kind like the sort of secret police of the West uh, East Berlin in the old days kind of vibe. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah, exactly the same model. Exactly the same model.
0: And so that's sort of what they extend the power they've got over them now is kind of Cuba's infiltrated the intelligence services and that's kind of co- helping a good way of sort of policing the population and sort of making Venezuela more communist, sort of in the authoritarian sense.
1: Of course, yeah. No oh, doubt right?
0: about it. No when was this sort of started? Was this started under Chavez, this sort of uh, Cuban infiltration? <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it started with Chavez, but I have a theory. The Nicolás Maduro is, this is a very controversial thing I say, and I, I gain a lot of hate because of saying this. Okay. I'm not chavista, I am hate chavismo, and they uh, know it, everyone knows it, but I have to say, Nicolás Maduro is the master of politics of that country. Is the, the master best, of politics. Yeah, it's the, the, I think, I, I can say that he's the best politician in our country in the last 40 years. Oh, That's wow, okay.
0: Yeah, so, because... Um, so, yeah, so sort of just bringing up the end of Chavez's reign before we go into Maduro after. Um, mm-hmm. What were the last few uh, days of Chavez's reign? And then also lead that into why you think Maduro mm-hmm. is kind of the, uh, the best political leader in the last four years.
1: Yeah, the last, I, I must say the last, because Chavez died in 2002. Tel- two, <laughs> well, I, this fucking bastard, I don't know, I don't need, we don't even know when he died. That was yeah, the, yeah, that, yeah. that, that close is that, that <laughs> the authoritarians that we don't know when he died because publicly wow. he died on March, in the 5th of March, the, the 5th, the March 5th.
0: March 5th. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's concretely known.
1: Yeah, you know the date, right? It's when Lenin died.
0: Mm. And so what, why is it a mystery that his date is death and stuff? Like what happened?
1: Yeah, because... Because he was disappeared, I mean, he was a guy that was a lot on MTV, uh-huh. a lot on TV, and he went on public broadcasts every, every week, every week. And then he went on a public broadcast that said, well, I have cancer, I'm in Cuba, and I'm in this treatment, and whatnot. Ah, that, that's another symptom of our branch, uh, of us being a branch of Cuba. Uh-huh. Chavez never treated himself in Venezuela, he treated his, his cancer in Cuba. Whole that's time. ironic, that's yeah, ironic yeah. because yeah. he said that we are we, our, our health system is the best. <laughs> we didn't he treated himself in Venezuela, yeah, that's
0: true, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, um, and do, so what's your theory? I mean, so the date he sort of died is March 5th, I'll, I'll just google it then, sort of. But what, what's dubious about that date, then why is that kind yeah. of like a su- suspicious end point to his career?
2: Yeah,
1: uh. The suspicion of his death was because a, a very known journalist called Nelson Bocaranda, and the rumors, you know, Venezuela's, uh, Once, one, uh, one of my teachers in in the, one of my professors in in college, told me that Venezuela is one of the, the best country to make intelligence because everyone could talk with a pair, with a with a couple of beers, so it's a very easy country to make intelligence and intelligence. So we are very gossip. We're a very gossip culture. We have uh-huh. this this gossip thing. So you heard a lot that Chávez is dead. Chávez is going to die in December. This was in December. And this journalist tweeted that Chávez was dead in, I think, was December 30th or 31st.
0: Oh, so the last day of the year, basically.
2: Of course, yeah.
1: In in those those days. So that was 2012. And yeah. and a very a very sketchy thing that happens on December eighth, he went public on a broadcast and he said, if I don't return alive from Cuba, please elect Maduro as a president.
0: so, uh, so even kind of. He yeah, was he kind of like you knew that he was going to die. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> he was what, yeah. about to die. So. That was a, well, the last two years of 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 chavez was were very were very good economically for the people, at least, because yeah. he went all in, all in with the money because presidential elections were in two thousand and twelve. The, the same year he died. Mm. So that so I mean, man, the, everyone everybody had new TVs, mm. were traveling abroad. Uh, new invest, uh, investments a new a new uh, bridge in the Orinoco i don't know a lot of a lot of money was in the street a lot of money but yeah. that was caracas
2: mm.
1: in the interior and not caracas rural uh, uh-huh you could you could notice that the power shortages were as was a reality not as right now they uh-huh. were very mild right now it's horrible man there uh, i knew i know people that live in the country that sometimes they have like 3 hours without power or the wow. night and that's horrible well yeah. this happened the last 2 years so you asked me the last years mm-hmm. there were a lot of money in the streets political political things were very st- Stable because it was polarized and very centric on the presidency. So yeah, uh, and the opposition has the Enrique Capriles, uh, like the leader of the opposition. He mm. he was very uh, he was gaining a lot of clout in that mm. in that age, and people was tired of Chavez really. Mm. Um, in 2012, everybody was hoping that uh, Capriles win, uh, win uh, won, and he didn't win.
0: And um, that's it. What? Why didn't he win? Do you think was it because of a sort of um, no, no, I,
1: no? I think he didn't win because he he didn't manage to get the the the, the,
0: the numbers. Yeah, just the yeah. sport He couldn't galvanize the population as effectively.
1: He almost did it. He almost did it. He had like forty 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 percent, forty five percent. I can't.
0: Oh remember. wow! Yeah, it's quite yeah. high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hi. And so this kind of leads into uh, Maduro's sort of um presidency now, which is he's the current leader of Venezuela, right?
1: Yeah, I want to mention, sorry to, to Yeah. To, yeah don't this, worry. Yep. I, ha- I have I want to mention to the election system and the election aspect of the Chavez government. Okay. That there are doubts until this day that Chavez was winning all this time. You count the times of, you count every election on our country, and we have elections like every year, yeah. something like that, like regional elections, presidential elections, uh, referendums. This was also an a strategic part, a tactic of democratizing the government as a public relations vision. That 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 make him a lot of leverage in the community, in the international community, because. We were seeing like the peril of democracy because we have a lot of voting and we had we had this uh, digitized system of election with machines and Smartmatic this company mm-hmm. and Smartmatic this this must I must say Smartmatic went and, uh, like two years ago he they said that they were they were failing on some elections so. Uh, that illegitimized some some election, but that doesn't matter right now. And Chavez uh, failed to uh, one election. He didn't want one election. that was the constitutional amendment on two thousand and six, I think, or two thousand and seven. In that amendment amendment, he won want, he wanted to radicalize the revolution. And this is very important to know because if when he failed, when he didn't want this election, I think that uh, that said a lot of our population. We didn't. We don't like socialism. We we we're we very capitalist. We love money and consumption, and we are yeah. very gringos. We're very gringos, right? To, to be true, Well,
0: Venezuelans so, are very gringo.
1: Yeah, Venezuelans are very American. We love America. So, the American way of, of life. Mm. Um so yeah that's a comment i have to say and that's that that's i i i must take it to the Maduro part and my theory about maduro because i think fidel killed or didn't support chavez because chavez died in very sketchy or or shady Circumstances. uh, circumstances yeah because it was very a very obscure, not public thing. The death act is not uh, is not public. Nobody knows why he he died.
0: Died really? Yeah.
1: It's not. It, I, we don't know. He yeah. re, he simply
0: died, and, and that's it. That's the last anyone heard of him. So, what do you think? Sort of, um, what reason do you have, or uh, sort of believe, even that um, Fidel Castro would have, or at least the Cuban government maybe would have had a role in his death.
2: Yeah. Well
1: the first thing to to comment here is why did Chavez made his, his treatment in, in Cuba? I, I don't know why he did that because he was simply he could simply go to the military hospital and mm-hmm. the information was very close there. So why he have to
2: travel close to Cuba? a different
0: country. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't
1: I don't see any any function of that. Yeah. And the second thing I don't know i don't I don't say that Fidel killed him, but I think Fidel was very was very tired of Chavez because Chavez lasted a lot a lot in deepening the revolution. Mm-hmm. Chavez was so egocentric in my opinion mm-hmm. that he was afraid to be more incisive in the revolution. he didn't profundize I don't know how to say it to to radicalize the communal state. Mm. He he stayed in power f- 15 years and he didn't make a grasp of, of making the communal state. Mm. Uh, he wasn't
0: Madu- able to... Sort of get, yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, so you, sort of, so you think he sort of failed to deliver the, you, you think it's a failure to deliver the sort of communal society that Castro yeah. would have wanted? It's kind of yes. a reason for him to sort of um, the, the, the sort of reasoning for that. His death is a little bit dubious and kind of suspicious. And maybe Cuba yeah. had a role. A hundred
1: percent of that. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent of
0: that. So you think it's yeah, yeah. he probably couldn't deliver on Cuba's promises? I'm oh, sorry. He couldn't yeah deliver on the promises he made to Cuba. Sorry. And that they probably sort of had a revenge thing to get rid of him and then introduce uh, Maduro.
1: No, maybe not like a planned thing because no. it, if if it was planned, I have to say that Fidel, uh, the, the, the the I mean the, the Cuba are genius, <laughs> but <laughs> but if you if you see the history of Maduro, you could say oh. well that, that this looks like a novel, man. It, it everything all the pieces fit, all the pieces uh-huh. fit. It's just unbelievable. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think that that has, as you said, as you mentioned, uh, Chávez didn't deliver the project of the revolution as Fidel wanted. So maybe Fidel was like, "Come on, man, you have to get out." I think. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But he always, of course, he died naturally.
0: But in political, in the political
1: area, you know that shady things happen, no?
0: Yeah, for sure, definitely. And I think. Um... Yeah, I think maybe he probably saw. Um, so maybe Fidel or the Cuban sort of the Cuban polit- politicians and government probably saw um, uh, Chavez as kind of like stale, stagnant, not really moving things forward. Kind of in the way of further sort of um, progressing, I suppose, their Cuban interests in Venezuela. That's right. Okay, That's and then it, how, where do you where do you think Maduro plays into this role now?
1: Yeah. If you see the Maduro history, the personal history, that's why I say that all the pieces fit. And yeah. that, that's, I quote, tool, a tool song, at the, all the pieces fit. Okay. So, yeah. If you see the history of Maduro, Maduro wow. was born, uh, some say they was born in Colombia, some say he was born in Caracas. That's irrelevant. Politically, wow. it's irrelevant. And... If you see the history at 12, I I, I read his history last night because I, I was I was I wanted to be sure about this. At 12 years old, and um, he was already signed up in a leftist movement. So okay. he was very very activist. He was very activist in active in in political in the political area. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at 12 years old, he was there. And it was very common to do this man. I mean I, I must I want, I want to say this in and, and this uh, is irrelevant. My dad in the 70s he, uh, he was enlisted in the Nicaragua guerrilla. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, yeah, but it was very common to to oh. hear these stories in the 70s in Venezuela of in, in the in the college and the teens or early uh, 20s first people. Ones. Yeah, to go to Nicaragua to defend the revolution in Nicaragua. It was very wow. common to,
0: to listen. Very, to, yeah, to be very proactive in politics very young.
1: Yeah, and and I and, and I, I mean I I I applaud that because they yeah, were yeah. people with very courage, man. It's not mm. like today. They literally gave went to, to shoot people. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, my 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 father came alive and I was born, of course. So yeah, what happened? Um, <clears throat> Maduro in in eighty six when he I don't know his age, maybe twenty-two, I don't know what age he was, and how old he was. Mm. In eighty-six he went to La Habana to form as a political. La Habana has this for these uh, political formation programs constantly. Mm. So as he was training uh, and he was gaining clout within the political sphere then he was a syndicate leader in the metro in this our subway he was a leader in the syndicate in the in the early 80s is
0: that like a, is the syndicate like that a union kind of thing like a, a union a, a union, union. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. i'm
1: sorry syndicate is syndicato union syndicato yeah a union <laughs> sorry okay uh, because syndicate in english i don't know what is uh, I don't know. Yeah.
0: I, I'm not too sure that I, even I'm English man, I don't even know the specific meaning <laughs> of syndicate. But I knew what you were saying when you were saying the yeah. uh, public transport syndicate. I, I knew you meant union, but actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well from
0: a like, young age was sort of already kind of um, embedded within the political
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And he and he was raised in the El Valle uh, in the El Valle uh, like neighborhood. It's a popular zone. So it was very keen to be leftist. Okay, so in the 80s, in the 86 and 87, he went to La Habana to form as a political leader. And of course, with leftist and castrist and communist intentions. He was a then leader of the Union of the Subway and he managed to, knew, to know Chávez, I don't know how, when, I think when he was in prison after the coup d'etat I mentioned before. And... Mm-hmm. Um, Chávez was very, very popular within the prison. Mm.
2: Every,
1: everybody wanted to speak with him. Remember I told you that Carlos Andrés biggest mistake was to give him in, in TV? Well yeah, yeah, yeah. that happened. So yeah. So yeah, Maduro was why I think the pieces fit because and I that and why I say Maduro is one of the best politicians in our history the last four years. Last four years, not in our history, last four years. Yeah. Uh, because he was very disciplined. It's kind of the history of Xi Jinping. Um, because he was growing and growing and silently growing. Nobody noticed him. Nobody. Nobody. He's
0: kind of had a good talent for being at the right place at the right time with the right people. Just sort of... Yeah. Too many coincidences that it had to be of It's some uh, ingenuity going on there. It's too lucky otherwise.
2: Well, I, I,
1: I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't... I don't... I don't... I give him credit because he has to have a, a skill in his, his... He has to... He has to have a skill, political skill, mm-hmm. in mastery or seduction, I don't know. But he was growing very, very good, and he managed to be in the, in the National Assembly or Congress he managed to be there, and then he was chancellor, like for 10 or 12 years. And this is the important part. He was a chancellor. He was a, the representative of Venezuela in every country. And when he, within his administration, Chavez earned a lot of clout within the international community. And that is possible only with a good chancellor.
0: Mm. Oh, so, do you think he was- like- you think Maduro was doing kind of the good sort of diplomatic work behind the scenes that was sort yeah. of benefiting Chavez's kind of more populist persona uh, in sort of Venezuela?
1: Of course, I'm, I'm hundred yeah. so percent positive. Yeah, maybe maybe somebody will tell me that that's not true. Maybe you have to include some variables. Of course, the money the all they all the petrodollars, dollars, the charisma of Chavez were very obvious, but. Mm-hmm. If you have a bad chancellor, you, you don't manage to do that. So, mm-hmm. in those, in that administration, Chavez well, the, the Chavez administration managed to make this important uh, Chinese-funded bank, Chinese-funded uh, the fund of Chinese in in Venezuela, the South-South uh, relationship with all these African countries. He managed to gather political leverage in the Caribbean, so the mm. Caricom was created. The South region: Brazil, Ecuador, Bolivia, Argentina, mm. yeah. Uruguay. Um, well, what well, uh, Iran. They, I mean, they, they made a pact with Iran and Russia. So wow. this was this was made on there. Under Maduro, and nobody remembers this, and this yeah. is the, the the most important part. And I think that's the genius of Maduro. He looks like a stupid guy, yeah, like a, like a total idiot. If you see his faces, come on, man, you <laughs> <I> can't believe <laughs> I like, you are the, the dictatorship of a country.
0: Yeah, kind of like <laughs> Boris Johnson in the UK a little bit. Yeah, like sort of similar, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. yeah, of they, course. They present to be like an idiot, but really behind it facade of being oh i'm just a stupid guy in the right place right time there's actually some sort of scheming and plotting behind all of that facade you know mm.
1: yeah and i have to mention uh, after your your very good documentary on the men behind the curtain of russia uh-huh. remember I told you the the men behind the curtain on venezuela in this age okay so so yeah, Maduro managed this and the the important the, the, the funny thing is that when Chavez died and the elections came, everybody went, Well, that was the bus driver, the bus driver, he didn't even uh, graduate, he's a stupid guy, he's mm. a bus driver and I told people, How well, can't you I mean, if you are democratic, at least you must respect that he is a bus driver. Yeah, exactly,
0: a- yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were saying he's kind of like the man behind the curtain and that sort of thing was Maduro the whole time sort of scheming. Chavez's, Chavez kind of had the image, the populist image, and then Maduro was kind of the boring, not boring, very smart diplomat behind the scenes establishing the sort of foundations for international relations and yeah, that.
1: Yeah, I, I'm yes, of course. But the, yeah. I, 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 I mentioned your, your documentary to mention it then after, after I explained this.
0: Okay, okay, okay.
1: Sorry. <laughs> so, no, but you just you, you said it right. So uh, in the in the two thousand and thirteen elections, when Maduro came, he won the elections. It's a very shady results because Enrique Capriles won again. And yeah. there are there are some some studies that say that he really won, but I don't know what happened. I I don't really care. I don't really care about results. I don't really care about the the, the facts. Because yeah. to make a forensic result, you cannot make a case. It's very difficult, and politics yeah, yeah, is not yeah. that big of the focus, yep. Okay, mm-hmm. so so everybody was sub subvalorizing. I don't know how to say to under to underestimate Maduro. Mm-hmm. Like he was a bus driver. He's very stupid. He yeah. I can't believe he he didn't he doesn't he doesn't speaks well. He confused the words and in those, those ages. Like 2013 and 14 is when he pro- with he went he went down to the radicalization of the revolution mm-hmm. and the pro- and the communal project. That's why I say that Maduro is the um, the 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 most important part of the Bolivarian Revolution and uh-huh. to the branch of Cuba because even though. He is radicalizing the revolutions. He's very, he has been very like flexible to manage to break the opposition. He completely broke the opposition. Sadly, but our opposition is very stupid. Is very stupid. Yeah, it's very stupid because it, he, they don't, they don't want. That's me. That's my conclusion. They don't want the power. They only want money. If they wanted power, they could, they could manage to. Bring every strategic possible, but all they want is money, and corruption is down there, and the PSUV, the the party, corrupted, them. and that that was under the Maduro administration, and I think that Maduro was is a genius because of that, because he broke all friction in political spectrum, he he managed to engineer a very fitted sized opposition that he can control, mm-hmm. and and still be seen as a legitimate
0: president. A legitimate president. So he's oh, kind of like he can play sort of both sides of it, the game, sort of the corruption stuff, and also be the uh, government serious side.
1: Yes, and kind of a, what happened in, in East Germany that the position was fake. That was happened here. Mm-hmm. That is happening right now in Venezuela. And mm-hmm. the stuff that is relevant right now, right now in two thousand and twelve, is that population is tired at this point. Mm-hmm. They don't they are at ad, ad nauseum. They they, they we received a politics at nauseum mm-hmm. at the point that we don't want to know anything about politics and all we are focused is in money. Money and money and money and I don't know who rules me. But I, I only want to to earn money enough to live as a of a normal person. So that's the brilliance of Maduro, and that's what's happening right now in Venezuela. And the brilliance is that he he don't have any friction right now, and he has this red carpet to do whatever he wants and please because he can now, uh, dip the project the communal project
0: the communist project. Mm. Okay, so he's kind of like he's... He, in- he
1: turned Venezuela into a Russian oligarch.
0: So. Okay, he, he, do you think he's going to... Uh, that's sort of bleeding was my next question now, but like, so sort of what do you think holds for the future of Venezuelan politics, like domestically, internationally? What do you think the next five, ten years hold for Venezuela now?
1: Well, ten years. Uh, some sociologist friend of mine told me that in Venezuela it's very hard to make... Uh, forecast more than five years because our society is mm-hmm. every, 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 he's changing. Uh, yeah. Okay, uh, maybe I'll
0: rephrase but the question. Five maybe. Years, five, no, no, it was a very good question. Okay, sure yes. Yeah, so, What do you think uh, that, your sort of predictions, maybe, okay, so maybe you were first, Like, what do you think will happen in the next five years? And also, what would you like to see Venezuela happen in the next 10 years? So sort of your Prediction and your like a more realistic prediction and maybe lower like your dream scenario of what could happen in the future <laughs>
1: Okay. <laughs> well, um, I think that the thing is going to happen in Venezuela is that already we the Chavismo won mm-hmm. They already won. They, there is no way to to overthrow the Chavismo as a cultural part of our nation identity political identity is political socialization is impossible to get away from that and given this having said this i think venezuela is going to open up with biden administration or with the united states of america or if it not, if it not if it doesn't happen with biden it's going to happen eventually Within the non- non-aligned uh, political, I don't know how to say, like the friends, Iran, China, and Russia, uh-huh. they they are they, going to make their own they're going to make their own system. And uh-huh. but I think Maduro will lobby enough to soften this this blockade the uh-huh. government has. And they are going to call so for some investment some private investment in Venezuela and in within five ten years one of my worries is that the only the I, I mean you can make all the propaganda you want you can make all the PR stunts you want but if you have if you have a terrible infrastructure like okay. electricity going down like no water like no... Rail and that, like, no uh, auto like uh, streets. Uh, uh, it's not railroads, it's where the cars go in the highways. Highway. Yeah, 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 you don't have highways or mm-hmm. means of communications, you have to forget that any serious investment is going to be down there. Mm. So, if they don't Fix that. They're going to relay on crypto. That's my, <laughs> that's my, my Do you prediction.
0: think it's like sort of similarly to what happened in El Salvador and that's kind right. Of sort I, of, they re- yeah. sort of tried to offset the high inflation by sort of getting involved in cryptocurrency. Do you think?
1: Yeah, that that's that that's what that's my prediction. And I have uh-huh. to comment. This is a comment in parenthesis. The, <laughs> we Venezuelans are really, really uh. <laughs> We advise the the advisors of Bukele are Venezuelans, are from mm. the opposition of Venezuela. Yeah, from Voluntad Popular. You may you may want to Google them. So I can I can yeah. tell you some, some some content. So
0: yeah, sure, sure, sure. But Yeah,
1: that's 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 my prediction for Venezuela, but with some asterisks. I said as I mentioned, the the infrastructure is key to make important investment in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. One of the things I. Uh, and, ah, some other thing is that they already put in some stakes on the in the tax Venezuela was doesn't have the culture of taxes, so now we are living this this stage of of paying taxes and paying taxes in dollars. so what happens here? My mom and my dad are jubilees they are they are uh, all, all people that receive a pension, I don't know how to say it. So yeah, yeah, pension, yeah. yeah their pension and their pension is it's a famine pension and it's like twenty dollars, fifty dollars. You, oh, wow. you cannot live yeah, you cannot live with that. So yeah. one of the thing I'm worried about is that they have to they eventually have to make a system of pensions and security, social security because the generation that is working right now, let's say 20, 18 to 25, they are paying taxes with their labor. They're not because the, the salaries are being dollarized, but in in black. I mean, it's not accountable. Some people are in black, some people doesn't. So what happens if you are... Kicked out of a job or if you quit a job? Will you receive a compensation in dollars or in bolívares? Well, that's a, that's a very extensive talk. And the other thing is that um, the, the, the country is doomed. I think the country is doomed because two things mainly. Infrastructure, no, three things. Infrastructure, education, and technology. Investment in education is going down. There are no incentives to, to make the universities to grow. Uh, in, in fact, it's quite the opposite. They are killing autonomous universities. And that's very sad for me because education is like the, the stand, the, the fundamental pillar of, of any country. I agree, yeah. And, yep. and uh, you, may, you can control population very easily with this.
2: Yeah, it's I very it's, sad, man. It's it very. Creates sad.
0: a brain drain as well. So, like, nothing will if you deprive of education, there'll be less sort of uh, innovative thinkers. There'll be less people sort of, um, you know, rising to it to sort of invent new things or create sort of problem solve and stuff. And then if you end up with a, an an educated, illiterate masses, it's very maybe for short term control, it's good, but for long term prosperity, it's a terrible idea, you know.
1: Couldn't be more. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a very in accord with that. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm with you. That's what
0: I think. And what you you say about technology? So where are they lacking in technological sort of uh you know what's the technology seen in Venezuela right now?
1: Yeah, the technology seen in Venezuela right now is very very <laughs> is very uh, groom uh, no groom no it's dark it's 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 horrible man because. <laughs> a new a new a new law we have this i don't know the the exact name we have a government agency of technology and they are pushing a law that gives the government more power over innovation and technology and i think that's terrible i think that's terrible because i i know i know i mean you may want to to have control over technology because that's public interest, mm-hmm. but the, you have to, to to read the history of the chavismo and it's not a history of of innovation. Mm-hmm. It's not. They're not focused on innovation. They're not focused on well, why why where we have to innovate? Why, how can we diverse our economy? How can we diverse our income? And uh, no. There, and, and the technology is not going to, to be fruitful in Venezuela, uh-huh. sadly, because it's it's literally chained with the education. Uh-huh. And another thing That's that true. is due in that, and the thing that you mentioned to the, to the um, uh, sh- short term, no, in the last term, the long-term uh, consequences uh-huh. is the famine that we had in the last like five years Uh or yeah five seven years you have to see them as crops Uh and this is not mentioned as much as i wanted to because people underestimate this Uh if you make some numbers i was i was lucky enough man to to be to be honest with you i was lucky enough to be born in the 90s if you were if you was born if you if you were born in born in uh, 2000 and I don't know and 10 or your mother was pregnant uh, in pregnancy with you in these years you your chance of being mal- malnutrition and and those stuff are Sick, very high disease. Yeah 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 don't mention that, that is, okay let's not let's take the disease up there is a very important thing but i told you this your brain is the the most calorie dense and and consuming mm-hmm. organ of your body mm-hmm. if you can't give your your body enough calories to your brain eventually you won't be able to learn as as mm-hmm. as good as anyone okay mm-hmm. and not to mention the nutrients. Our subsidized foods are literally greased and processed uh, like flour. Mm-hmm. Those are the cheapest. Uh, uh, These are the cheapest Subsid- foods. Uh, right. Yeah. So so yeah. The the the, the child. Uh, I mean the the guys were that has eighteen to to less less than 18, eighty. Eighty. You know. I'm sorry. Eighteen. Mm-hmm.
0: Less than 18, yeah.
1: Yeah, they are. They are smaller. They are receiving uh, poor quality education because all the teachers uh, are outside the country. And the the very cool professors that were we had a very nice uh, we we had very good professors in university. All they, as you mentioned, they were brain. They they exiled them. I mean, the brain drain brain drain it was a brain drain yep. mm-hmm. and so yeah that's the problem and in the long term is it's a horrible it's a horrible
0: yep. scenario it, it, it look pretty bleak um, I think yeah sort of the sort of things that happen now with the like you said about the it's a good point about the children born in 2010s, the risk of malnutrition diseases and stuff like this and their sort of calorie deficit what you said sort of consuming their brain power Um, And then uh, coupled that with uh, less resources for education, less resources for sort of technology and sort of innovating the, you know, current education technological scheme. Yeah, long term, I think it will only sort of push Venezuela even further back than they're already kind of catching it now. So it's kind of like the perfect storm for um, Venezuela in a bad way. But sort of on a more maybe optimistic note, I suppose. What would you like to sort of uh, hope to see Venezuela? Sort of what things would you say? Wishful thinking kind of thing like Venezuela in the next 10 years or something like this. What, what would you like to see? Maybe some political okay. movements enacted or policies enacted or laws enacted, anything like this.
1: Okay, given... Of, of course, I'm not going to mention that full democracy and openly... Particip- open participation in Venezuela is going to happen. That's not going to happen. The <clears throat> The most... Uh, the, I, I mean, if 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 a very optimistic way to see Venezuela is my country, I mm. I love it, not because of my country but because of my memories. I mean, mm. but uh, I'm hoping that Nicolas Maduro is smart enough to invest in infrastructure. That's the first step. If uh-huh. if he doesn't invest in in infrastructure, we are doomed, man. And yeah, so, yeah. I don't care who rules my 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 country anymore. I don't uh-huh. care. So, everything we care, we, we 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 are in a in a set that we're in a stage that only we want is stability uh-huh. and less uncertainty. And that's uh-huh. I think Maduro Maduro is kind of working towards that. But there are some suspicious because uh, although he uh, detracted, I mean, he eliminated their government, eliminated some currency exchange uh, bans. Uh I mean, the dollar is already in the street. You can now buy uh, buy dollars uh, legally. There are some laws that I'm very suspicious and okay. I think they are saving them as a as a magic trick when things going too well. If the liberalization of economy makes some people going up, and uh-huh. he solves some danger. Some are the what? price price control price control uh-huh. laws. Uh-huh. Those man, those were. I mean, I, I can. It's impossible to 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 narrate those in words. I leave them in the worst economic scenario in Venezuela I was in the worst I love I lived in the worst age in economically speaking in Venezuela mm-hmm. and they were like the one of the he was vice president in that in that age in that year he was mm-hmm. uh, Jorge Arreaza he was mentioned in TV in public TV that eggs should cost like I don't know let's say one dollar And Mm -hmm. in the streets worked at five at five dollars wow well everyone that sells eggs at five dollars and not in one dollar we're going to make them to go to jail or or close their 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 shops Mm -hmm. that evening every every egg in the streets disappeared and that happens with everything that is in in those laws of price controls it's Uh called the 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 just price lock controls <laughs> uh-huh. because
0: they, so, they, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so they were disappearing for what reason, what, what sort of the implication they were just disappearing because people didn't want to buy by the price control law or because they were going onto the black market or.
1: Yeah, of course, if you, if you, of course, if you have a shop that sell eggs mm-hmm. at $5, you cannot say sell them at one, it's impossible.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: were, yeah, yeah. You lost. You lost. So you met. You went on the streets and saw some commerce, some some shops, or uh-huh. some some guys breaking the eggs in the streets. Not to not because they were bad, because it was because the armed forces went to your shop and and shoplifted the, the eggs. Mm-hmm. That happened.
0: Okay. So yeah. The robbers have so, no eggs then.
1: <laughs> no eggs. Yeah, no eggs. And that and, and no eggs means that that is the cheapest protein of the of the country and every yeah, country yeah. so okay. the poor were very like this and that was that that was that that is the reason i mentioned the the famine and the child and the unborn and the little kids yeah. to be the most
2: harsh. yeah
1: and that happened as well with the with the girls the women are very relegated mm-hmm. in that aspect they suffered a lot because of the menstruation and the, 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 the I don't know how to say it in, in English. the Birth control? Yeah, birth control was a very, a very problematic issue. Yeah. In fact, we are the, the top country in teenage pregnancy in our region. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, the sanitary measures of the, of the women in menstruation, you know the, the towel. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was very scarce, so that 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 made some girls not to attend school or college because in one week.
0: Yeah, they have a menstruation, their period, and they wouldn't be able to sort of go to school, and then as a knockout. Yeah, effect. So, of course,
1: and that's my my optimistic view. I mean, I I I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping that Maduro in, uh, invest more in infrastructure, yeah. and he and he really ban, I'm hoping that he bans the the price the, control. the, the, yeah, the press controls, man, because that's a very, very scary law. I, I'm very yeah. scared. And yeah, no, I, I know what
0: you're saying the implications of the price control law is it kind of, um it just, it's kind of one of those like uh, top down ideas that they think, oh, on paper, this sounds like a good idea. But as soon as it gets to the street level, it collapses straight away. It sounds like a terrible idea. Um, yeah, I like that your optimistic view of Venezuela is still very gloomy. Actually, <laughs> you're hoping for very basic things. I think no flying cars, nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> just the
0: simple things, just uh, less corruption and less bad shit. I'm um, sort of swinging back to the stuff you said at the beginning of the uh, conversation. Uh, you were talking about the troll farms in Venezuela. I just want to get you sort of uh, tell me a little bit about them, just sort of as a as we kind of and the interview and stuff, but what's the uh, in terms of a country that isn't really investing much into their technological infrastructure? But what, how come they're investing in, in troll farms? Like, what is? It, it, do you think that's sort of um, complete, just political, furthering political aims, or do you think it's sort of a wider thing to sort of maybe you know, like the RT network, Russia Today, and that sort of big reach you had over the world? Do you think Venezuela is going to try and pivot towards maybe this sort of thing in the future of a more, um, from troll farms to a bigger propaganda global network?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question right there. Um, Telesur,
0: <clears throat> you know Telesur? No? Yeah, 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 yeah. Telesur, the uh, oh, so- T-E-L-E-S-U-R. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. Uh, I know the journalist on there, Abby Martin, you know Abby Martin? No. She's an American journalist, man, but she's pretty good, actually. But Yeah, she's on that network. Well, she was on that network, and I think she's on it now. But, yeah, sorry, man, okay. yeah.
1: Okay, Telesur is the South American version of RT. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, I think it was um, founded in Venezuela. I remember that. In fact, I worked uh, like two or three streets away from the main branch of Telesur in Caracas. Mm-hmm. And rt and uh, news and all that shit uh, we have our branch I, I mean chavismo lives about chavismo is all about propaganda chavismo is all about propaganda so although we don't have a very good internet infrastructure um, we have the minimum necessary infrastructure to make people to tweet about Good things on, on 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 the on the party. So, how this come? How this come to work? Okay. So you are, uh, I don't know, you are Maria Rodriguez that lives in Cabudare, like a little town, and yeah. you are part of uhs uh, Ezequiel Zamora, like the very roots, forgotten city controlled by the government. Okay. So. Yeah. The leader the leader of that uh, like that branch the of that organization tells you that okay Maria if you want your bag of food it's called the clap mm-hmm. um, uh, you have to tweet or you can be paid there are there is a there is a, a very good investigation with some friends of mine that has this like disinformation, uh, information debunking page is called Cazadores, the fake news. I'm going to, mm-hmm. to send it to you. Yes, yeah, sure. They, man, yeah. they, managed, they managed to make a table of the earnings, like uh, approximate. So you only have to tweet about the government, like uh, Mr. President Maduro, at Nicolas Maduro, hashtag, uh, I don't know, Batalla y Victoria. Or yeah. victory I don't know yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah so yeah that's that it's like it's like you work for that I mean you you have to to do it because you earn money so you control the, the society like that that's the troll farm and it's a very although it's a very bleak and very bleak and very fucking <laughs> absurd way of controlling it's very yeah. effective yeah it's very effective
0: yeah it is yeah i mean even the sort of effects sort of the troll farms of russia and then sort of like in their role in uh european politics and um just sort of internationally as a bigger reach and yeah Telusar. i'm familiar with Telusar. i know they're kind of they have quite a wide reach amongst um i mean kind of like leftists i'd say broadly leftists maybe but also kind of more uh reactionary leftists i'd say sort of more um lefties that want to go back to the they think Mao is a good guy or something you know these kind of leftists but well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's some sort of the, the extremities of that um, and so and also sort of the, talking about that you're, dis, you're working in dis, disinformation and uh, sort of analysing propaganda personally right that's what you sort of interest are in
2: yeah I
1: work there with uh, Iria Puyosa she oh, works nice. right now in the di- digital forensics research lab from the Atlantic Council and we made this paper with a lot of other like investigators in communications and internet communications mm-hmm. and ONGs primarily. I was the only one that was like the lonely cowboy, the, the only I don't know, the, the lonely guy there, the <laughs> uh-huh. individual. So yeah, our work there was to analyze and uh, my to analyze propaganda and misinformation on COVID within closed and open uh, social media mm-hmm.
0: on Venezuela,
1: so we managed to discover some some very interesting things. I, I mean, there there were a lot of political interest right there, like commercial stuff. Mm. The the usual thing you you would expect. Yeah. Never. But uh, I'm going to auto promote here and not, uh, I don't know if I can. But the most interesting thing that is related to what we were talking about was my last research. I, I've done it all by myself. It's a personal investigation I made, Is from a, an, a social media that the government is creating. Ah. Uh-huh. So. It's very interesting because a friend of mine sent me some images of banners in the streets and he told me, Hey Romulo, can you investigate this? And, th- and th- then I watched the image and it's it's called Ven App. Ven app. And Van App. So yeah. I I were researching like for two days and <laughs> I managed to discover that this was uh, a government made social media app before oh, wow. they before they they disclosed them uh, uh-huh. and and I can I can tell you, I can send you that the blog post or my my thread is very it's very shady man I mean yeah Nicolás Maduro this week said that no, it's it's a social media that was created by an entrepreneur, a Venezuelan entrepreneur. That's a fake one. It's not a, a Venezuelan entrepreneur. It's a Dominican firm that I don't know how how they managed to get to the government, and they that that firm all, uh, developed the a Panamanian app of the public defensory of the Panama. So yeah, you know the the all the the stuff, the shady stuff of the chavismo. The this this these guys, the Venap developers, or the marketers at least, were involved in the Jorge Arreaza, that one of, that's one of the key players in international relationships of the Chavismo uh, political campaign in Barinas, and they are related to the wife of Manuel Salaya in Honduras. So yeah, I can I can say you that. Yeah, yeah, man,
0: that's. Yeah. Put, I'll put it in the links in the below this sort of episode description. Um, so, what would do you think Vent app? The do you think is the government going to weaponize this app, or what are their sort of intentions? Do you think with this app? Uh, uh, it's
1: a, uh, that's that's a thing. I'm I'm very I'm, I'm trying to 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 discover because I don't know if they are making this as a side social media propaganda in case that they they get to be blocked Mm -hmm. because they work a lot of in Twitter and Facebook Mm -hmm. but at the same time the product has this like uh, this reporting thing that you you say that okay I was I witnessed uh, a drain in a sewage in my street so let's report that but it's not the only thing it, it has a lot of things so yeah. that's very suspicious that's very suspicious
0: yeah it very is suspicious. and do, do you think that reporting will is it also to report people and sort of like
1: i could i could use it to report people i don't
2: know
0: yeah well i mean you could sort of maybe i mean the they're, they're creating an infrastructure there anyway this whole like reporting thing where yeah. they could start off as like oh this is just to report you know, broken drains in the street, or something, or could it be then further to to report dissent or report people that are sort of, um, you know, protesting or something like this? Do you think it could be used for that means eventually?
1: Eventually, eventually could happen. I mean, mm. the if if you if you see the, the history of of imprisonment or or detentions, I mean, there are people last week or last. And, uh, three weeks ago, an uh, old lady, a poor old lady, man, that was making arepas in a video and was having fun of Maduro with the names of the arepas, mm. she was detained and asked them to publicly be pardoned, uh, to to forgive. I, I mean, I don't know how to say it, but to, to tell in public, in Twitter, after being captured, to say, well, I'm sorry to say this to Nicolás Maduro. Come on, man. It was
0: like a, a joke. public apology. Yeah. yeah, yeah a yeah, public yeah. apology. It was a joke. Yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, the 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 origins and the weaponization of this app is very is is like latent. Is it's uh-huh. right there. Of yeah, course. so it's already, oh, already. I'm very I'm very I'm not very optimistic of that platform. I mean, some people say it is the Venezuelan WeChat. That's not going to happen anytime soon. The infrastructure needed to be done is very mm-hmm. expensive. And very complex. But it's a beginning. It's
2: a beginning.
0: Mm, For sure. And um so yeah, it's kind of interesting that Venezuela sort of invest in the technology they're investing in is very self serving. Like uh Telesur, uh Vent App and the troll farms. Like that's kind of seems to be their bulk of their technological um investment seems to be circled around furthering their political aims and stuff.
1: Of course. And not to mention not to mention the the ZTE investment in public and facial recognition technologies to the mm. to the police, the Chinese oh, it's, investment.
0: It's a Chinese investment into Venezuela about uh, facial recognition technology in Venezuela.
1: Yeah, security. Yeah, security. Security
2: it's, technology.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, what sort of. A, Just kind of a side question here, but what is sort of China's uh, investment in Venezuela? Do they have extensive investment there or are they not really big players in that region?
1: In 2008 they opened a Chinese fund opened by Chavez, which was like, wow, we opened this fund with China, we are brothers, like this and that. And I think the Chinese are very, (laughs) Uh, I don't know, I I don't, I, I really haven't studied the Chinese investment in Venezuela lately, mm. they once they once trusted in Venezuela. I think they're not as trust we are not, okay. we are not trustworthy because I mean you, you can you can you have you could say that you want to build this belt and road initiative around the globe, but mm. you must need you always you need always a little bit of like uh, how to how do you say the accountability and uh, yes, chavismo is very not very yeah is not very accountable yeah. uh, Russians are the main investors Russian Belarusians Iranians I don't know if it's Chinese. I'm not pretty sure.
0: Not as more. but Russia has a bigger role. And do you think the um, what's the Venezuelan view? Sorry, what's the Venezuelan view on the war in Ukraine currently as well? You talk of like so. What is the uh, the press saying? The sort of media saying in Venezuela about it, or what's the general feeling from the public?
1: Well, I'm I'm not. Uh, I have to be honest. I'm not. I haven't talked with. Well, I don't live in, in Caracas, so it's mm-hmm. it's it's harder for me to to answer that. the the little things uh, I have read from the official state channel mm-hmm. Canal 8, VTV, Television, is the is the is <laughs> the same thing but translated from RT. is the nasification na- of Ukraine and this stuff.
0: Okay, okay, so they're they're sort of taking the Kremlin Kremlin talk. it's Kremlin. Yeah, yeah, so they're kind of taking the Kremlin talking points and sort of using it in their state media as well. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: But they're they're not exploiting them. It's kind of not happening in Venezuela. That's not the main issue.
0: Yeah, 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 it's very far far away.
1: it's, It's very far away, and as I mentioned, the problems in Venezuela are very real and very... I mean, like, you have to touch them. You have to get mm. money to survive. So I think Venezuelans are not thinking in a
2: war.
0: Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. They're thinking more of the short-term sort of problems they're facing rather <laughs> than a war to them. Yeah, that war in Ukraine is probably a lot further away and not as, I mean, doesn't really make a huge effect on Venezuela. Um, okay, man, that's very good. Um, sort of just some ending remarks, man. Where do you want people to find you? Any of your writing or any of your podcasts or anything like that? Do you want to promote? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, you may find me as my very to very hard to saying in English Twitter (laughs) handle. It's juepachon. It's j. It's j u e p a c h o n. Uh (laughs) That's where I publish all my things. Okay, cool, man.
0: I'll put a link in the description anyway to your Twitter and your. You also have a podcast called Palidoscope. Palidoscope Uh uh-huh yeah there we go man all right thank you very much for your time bro that was very good um yeah man thank you very much that was very enlightening i learned a lot about venezuela there man um
1: thank you very much for inviting me Corey.
0: cheers bro thanks for listening i hope you learned as much as i did please follow romulo on twitter as well as check out some of his writings exposes and his podcast all links to which will be in the show description Please also check out some further reading and show notes from today's episode, which will also be on my website at highcoop.weebly.com. This has been Haikoop. Thank you for listening.